Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. Hey, wait. Am I early? Or am I late? You know something? I am fashionably early. And let's see, uh, since I'm here now, I guess there's no choice but to go ahead and get started, you know? You gotta figure it's like 10 o'clock somewhere, right? Yeah, probably over there in the Eastern Hemisphere of sorts. But other than that, though, it's the last week of the J360 Monster Fest, so let's just go ahead and finish strong, shall we? Because, welcome to the JMAT Show here on J360 Radio. How's it going, J360 Legion? What is happening? Welcome to the J-Man Show for episode 225. I am your host, J-Man, of course. And yes, let's get into it because, man, we do have a lot to cover. You know, there wasn't a J-Man episode that happened last week. Matter of fact, I put Hangouts to the forefront because, you know, it was my birthday week and I wanted to celebrate something with my friends and, you know, you guys included and everything else. Like, so the whole week was wild, man. <laughs> I had a pretty good time, you know? And it's nice to know that I have, like, a pretty good supporting cast, including my lady and all. So it's just been really, really nice. Everything's looking just phenomenal. And some new stuff's about to come my way, so I'm doing pretty awesome here. Yep, can't complain. But I'm a fine away, though, because I live in this society with y'all. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Actually, it's not me. It'll be other people, though. But all in all, I've been doing pretty good lately, and um, I've been eager to come back to doing the J-Man show for you all. So, especially since we are like, hmm, 225, huh? Yep, still on the road to 300, so it's not bad. It's just a lot of good stuff coming our way. And just because it's not October anymore does not mean that there isn't a continuation of the Monster Fest, which we are currently in right now. For the final week, no. We're going to have a good time doing this. And, you know, we have a few nightmare tales to throw your way. Uh, Speaking of movies, uh, I finally saw Malignant. Loved it. Thought Malignant was great. (laughs) Especially the part where you find out, like, you know, everything that happens in it. I mean, to have that sort of parasite living in you... But it was supposed to have been born anyway. It just didn't become its own. Now that's wild. I remember mentioning that um, ventriloquist episode of the Tales from the Crypt. Where, you know, that stump on the uh, ventriloquist's arm. Which, he was played by Don Rickles. Turned out to be an actual person. He would just take drugs to keep 
keep that stump lifeless and all. But he ran out of drugs, and that damn thing took over because here's Morty. That was some wild stuff, boy. You know, as a kid growing up in like the uh, in the nineties, I'm just like, that's some freaky stuff. I don't know whether it was like the way it was mo- way he was moving with the little nubs, or the way that you know you saw like no like there was muscle tissue, but there was no skin on his face because the skin on his face would be there when they were doing the Van Twelgus act, but. As soon as homeboy popped out, oh, that was wild. And then came the part, though, at the end, like, uh, where it ended up taking over um, the the understudy or the apprentice's nub. You know what I mean? And that, that was weird to me. But eh, bad ending, but great, great two and a half acts. You know what they say, two out of three ain't bad, right? So if you can get those two acts good, it's kind of, uh, you know, it's kind of suspected that the third one might not be that great. Or, I don't know. Depends on how you guys go about it. I've been looking at some wild stuff here on this Tubi, though. And um, <laughs> I'm starting to sound old, too. Next thing you know, I'll start calling it the Tubi and everything. But, yeah, this one's called, like, Twisted Fiction. It's supposed to be, like, um, an anthology series of sorts. And, see, there's only two episodes. I guess, like, maybe they stopped production because of um, certain reasons. But... From what they got going on, it's not bad. I mean, one was dealing with an internet troll, and the other one was dealing like with this um, the this evil hotel where it turns out like people go out to live out their fantasies, illicit or not, and they end up doing like dangerous uh, stunts to each other. That this particular woman that we're going to talk about, she actually did choke her um, lover to death because he liked to be choked, and she wanted to see what it felt like to cause uh, pain on people. So, yeah. But the whole time she tried to get out of there, as um, after she killed the guy, this dude in a red jacket, you know, pay attention, was following her around saying, there's only one way out of here. And you see, after a while, you realize that he just wanted her soul because of, you know, reasons. I'll let you guys fill in the blanks on that because, like, usually when it comes to uh, those kind of stories... You do know after a while, and I just like how there's that little bit of freshness there where it's always somebody that wears, like, the red jacket or whatever. And no, I'm not a part of that whole scenario, so if you make a deal with me, you know, I I, I don't play that show. You see what I'm saying? (laughs) Even though that was a damn cool-looking jacket, I'll tell you that right now. However, as we are going to finish strong for the Monster Fest, we do have some Nightmare Tales for you. And um, speaking of those nightmare tales, we'll go ahead and get started with this one, which is called Stranger Danger. And before any of you all be like, oh my god, he reading that kind of story, just listen to the damn thing. Got you for at least like 45 minutes. Jeez. Okay, Stranger Danger. Two Scottish men traveling on business in Texas were celebrating the end of their trip with a night out on the town. When the bar closed, they decided to continue the party, so they flagged down a taxi to take them back to their hotel. But they soon became paranoid, thinking that they were being driven in the wrong direction. So they asked the driver to stop and hit it out into a night on their own, finding themselves completely lost in a quiet residential neighborhood. This was before mobile phones were commonplace, so the businessmen began banging on doors to see if they could use someone's phone to call another taxi. Having no success, they ventured into a back garden to get someone's attention. Back home in Scotland, they were used to leaving their doors unlocked, so this didn't strike them as particularly unsafe. And certainly not after drinking all night. Wow. 
The homeowner, woken by the noise, came downstairs and saw two men peering in through his back window at 4 a.m. And he didn't think twice about firing a shotgun, killing them outright. I mean, if you really think about it, like, you gotta understand, like, where you are at night, usually. Like, be aware of your surroundings. And, yeah, public transportation isn't exactly safe, but usually those that are riding in taxis and all, they don't usually do this kind of thing. You get my drift? I'm just saying, like, some probably will lead you astray, but then there are most that aren't going to. So, you know, you take your risk when you jump into the nightlife but then again i don't think it really matters anymore these days because they'll get you in the daylight too um yeah next we have up is called a shocking tale a young extreme sports enthusiast who was covered in a variety of piercings tattoos and body modifications was always looking for the next adrenaline rush one day he was at work on a construction site he bet his colleagues that he could clip two electrical Oh my god. Two electrical lines to his piercings and give himself a thrill. They tried to persuade him that it wasn't a good idea, but this only made him more determined. Unaware that by applying electricity directly to his chest, he was at risk of experiencing more than a funny sensation. He attached the electrical lines to each of his pierced nipples and promptly received a fatal shock through the heart from which he could not be revived. Okay, once again, that is self-inflicted right there. You know, sometimes we are really our own worst enemy. You know, whether we think too much or whether we uh, come up with, you know, all these crazy would-be solutions, but they end up becoming more problems, whether to stroke the ego or whether to go ahead and just try to prove some sort of crap to somebody who doesn't care or, you know, all this extra crap that, that we usually do. And you see a lot of it on the Internet in terms of social media. But it's like... Yeah, like the two guys in the first story, you're on some, you know, you got to have common sense somewhere, you know what I mean? Like, you don't sneak at a certain area where the guy comes out with a shotgun, you know, puts both barrels in you and you go down and stuff. It's hard to not feel bad for him. He was scared. But this particular guy, to go ahead and get a thrill, decides to shock his chest right on the piercings with, with electricity. Yeah. Yeah, that, re- that really makes a lot of sense. Disgusting. You know what I mean? <sighs> Boy. Anyway, the next one is called Don't Drink the Water. When you are abroad in a strange country and a strange hotel, you expect things to be a little different to life back home. Don't drink the tap water is probably something you'll be commonly told. But you probably wouldn't expect to hear that in Los Angeles. In 2013, tourists at a hotel in L.A. had noticed that something was a little odd. The pressure was weak and the water in the shower would run black for a while before turning clear. It also had a funny taste and smelled unusual. Nevertheless, they drank it as they assumed that this is just how water in L.A. was supposed to taste. Hmm. If it's anything like that water in certain areas in Philly. Yeah. Eventually, someone complained to staff at the hotel who sent a worker to check whether the four large water tanks on the roof were in good order. What he found when he opened the lid turned his stomach. It was certainly explained that the issues that they were having inside of one of the cisterns was a partially decomposed human body. The unfortunate maintenance man who had found the remains of a young female student who had gone missing after staying in the hotel for several weeks previous, guests at the establishment had been using corpse water to shower and brush their teeth for weeks, as well as drinking it. Pathologists determined that the student had drowned in the water, so she wasn't killed before ending up in the heavy-lidded tank. 
But how did she end up there? Investigators were baffled. They had the girl on camera on the night she was last seen by other guests and she appeared agitated. She was picturing the elevator peeking into a corridor as if she didn't want to be seen and then pressing all the buttons. It shouldn't have been possible for her to even get on the roof as it was locked and restricted. As there were no more leads, her death remains a mystery to this day. Mm-mm-mm. Yo, so, <laughs> a little bit of that Unsolved Mysteries kick right there. That's just enough to just be like, you know what? I'm out. I ain't drinking no water except for the water I get over at the gas station. Even then, that's debatable. You know what I'm saying? Little things like that. And uh, speaking of which, people are on this damn thing talking, so I have got to turn that off. Jeez. <laughs> yeah, you know, I got my phone over here on the side, so just make sure I was on time. But as I am early, you know, I'm making it count. All right, so your next one is called The Tunnels. Now, all the kids knew about the tunnels beneath the city. Most cities have sewer tunnels, but these were different. Some people said that they were built over a 100 years ago as hiding places in case a war ever broke out. Others heard that they used to be part of a secret underground prison. Most of the adults in the city knew they were actually old mine tunnels. Rich people used to build them for stone mines, and the tunnels became so big, they wound up connecting with each other, and they ran on for miles. Over time, people stopped using them for mining, and now they were just a giant underground maze. The adults knew the tunnels weren't safe because they were so easy to get lost in, but that wasn't the reason that most of the kids thought the tunnels were dangerous. They heard stories about the tunnels being haunted, or about insane killers who lived in them, or even about monsters that would eat a person alive. One night, some of the kids were telling each other these stories at a party. Most of them took the story seriously, except for one girl, Masha. She even said it would be fun to explore the tunnels. Uh-oh. One, <laughs> one night, you know, she said, I'll go right down there and prove there's nothing to be scared of. Some of you will even be brave enough to join me. We'll stay for only an hour. Now, you know that's already a lie, right? <laughs> you don't want to do that. Uh, the two others agreed to go with Masha. They all headed out to one of the nearby entrances to the tunnels. It was already dark, and they knew the tunnels would be even darker, so they all brought flashlights. When they walked down into the tunnels, the first thing they noticed was how confusing they were. Because different people had built them over the years, some sections were very small, and others were very wide. Sometimes a part of a tunnel would seem to go on for miles, and another one would lead to a dead end right away. The two who'd gone in with Masha quickly realized that it would be very easy for them to lose their way if they kept going deeper into the tunnels to explore them. There wasn't much to see anyway. There weren't any ghost killers or monsters, just miles and miles of brick walls. Masha, still curious, though, said, Come on, I want to get some good pictures to show everyone. The others wouldn't go further. They already seen enough. Okay, fine, Masha said. We said we stay for an hour. As you two stay here, I'm going to walk around a little more. You'll be sorry! Anyway, sorry. <laughs> Masha started walking deeper into the tunnel, and after about a minute, the others couldn't see the glow from flashlight any longer. A half hour passed, and then another. Masha should have been back by now. They started calling for her, but they never got an answer. This went on for almost half an hour. When, and that's when they decided to go back to the party and let everyone know what happened. When they told their stories, the other kids decided to, they had to tell their parents about Masha. The adults called the police, who spent the next few weeks looking for Masha in the tunnels. She never showed up. 
no one ever saw Masha again. And all the kids told stories about it. Some say a killer or a monster must have found Masha. Some even claim if you went down to the tunnels, you could still hear her crying for help some nights. But most people know the truth. It wouldn't have mattered if it was a killer or a monster had found Masha in the tunnels. They would go on for miles. Masha probably just got lost. And in the dark, took too many wrong turns and never found her way out. She's probably still in there. But by now, she would be a skeleton. You know something? That's probably true. Because, like, I think there's a lot of areas in this old mining town in PA. Like, if you go down in it, well, of course, it's cooking. It's Centralia, you know, where it's, like, burning and stuff over there. But, yeah, like, they used to be, like, a, a whole area of mines. And you could go down in there, which I would not recommend you do. But, yeah, you would get lost if you didn't have, like, any sort of way to bring you back to where, you know, the entrance would be. I wouldn't recommend going into some mining areas. Not only that, because cave-ins are apparent, too. So, if Masha is still floating around out there, chances are she's probably dead. If you get my drift. You know what I'm saying? So, it's like little things like that. But, how would you guys handle it, right? If you were ever put in a situation like that, would you go into a cave? Would you go into a haunted area like that? I wouldn't recommend it. Of course, you know, though, with haunted houses, it's a little... No, no, I wouldn't do that either, because you know why? You never know who's sitting up there in the corner with two loaded barrels ready to go ahead and make you fly away at any moment. And I'm not talking about the cool stuff from Peter Pan either. He's going to be gone. Gone, I said. (laughs) Oh, man. All right, so here's another one for you. This is called The Soldier's Corpse. This happened during the Civil War. Some wounded soldiers had camped out near a small town to wait for the doctor to arrive. But it took him a long time to reach them. And by the time he did, one of the soldiers had died. The doctor took him to the Undertaker. The Undertaker had a very busy night ahead of him because he didn't have time to preserve the soldier's body right away. He put it in a tub with ice water. And that would keep it preserved until he had time to do his work. The, t- the body stayed in the tub like that until morning. And then that's when the Undertaker started the work of preserving it for a burial. He began by sewing the corpse's mouth shut. Then he placed a needle and a tube into each arm. One tube would pump the fluid that preserves the corpses in the body. And the other tube would drain the corpse's blood. And that's as far into his work as the Undertaker got. Because suddenly the corpse sat right up. When he noticed the tubes in his arm, he pulled them out. He looked like he was trying to talk, but he couldn't with his mouth sewn shut. All this lasted for a minute. The preserving fluid had already been pumped into the soldier's corpse. It was poisonous, and soon the soldier settled back down. The look on his face seemed to be that of a man who knew he was dying and had accepted it. Many odd things started happening at the Undertaker's office soon after. The Undertaker would leave a room, and when he came back, he would see that the furniture had been moved. And even though there was no one else in the shop to move it, sometimes even bodies had moved. And that wasn't all. The Undertaker had to start hiding the fluid and needles he had used to preserve corpses. No matter where he hid it, the fluid would go missing. And all he would find in its place was bent needles. This was all a little funny to many townsfolk. But they thought some practical joker had been behind what was going on at the Undertaker's office. But it wasn't funny to the Undertaker. He knew it had something to do with the soldier whose corpse had suddenly come to life. And in less than a year, he'd gone insane. Mmm, doesn't take much with that, you know. 
doesn't take much with that. <laughs> uh, you know, because think about it. Like, when you work in the deals of death and you are over here getting a body prepared for its, uh, you know, eternal rest, you're going to see some wild stuff because the body tend to still move even after the person is dead in some circumstances. And then you wonder how dead somebody currently is until, you know, it finally has rigor mortis setting in or you see, like, the eyes winking at you and stuff. There's a whole lot of wild stuff when it comes to um, embalming. You get my drift. But, you know, as we talk about that, and speaking of eyes, this next one here is called Glowing Eyes. Something strange had been happening at the mine for weeks. Miners working near the slope where the mine would begin would spot an odd-looking animal from time to time. It was gray, furry, and about five feet tall and eight feet long, and it stood on all fours. What made it truly frightening were its eyes. They were bigger than the eyes of any other animal from those parts, and they glowed as bright as a car's headlights. Whenever the animal showed up, it would simply do the same exact thing. It would simply walk up to the start of a slope, look down into the mine for a few seconds, and then head back to the mountains. Every single time the animal would come to the mine, about 15 minutes or so would pass, and there would be a slate fall, and a few miners would die. And some of the men would try to kill the animal as it walked back to the mountains, but no matter how many times they shot it, they never could seem to do any harm. The animal would simply look at them for a moment, then keep walking. Everyone figured the animal must have had something to do with all the deaths at the mine, and they believed that they could kill it, the deaths would stop. Not really, but okay. So the mine owner hired two of the town's best hunters, Bill and Jack, to go kill the animal. They hid it up to a shack in the woods with powerful rifles and some food. They waited for a long time, but finally they saw the animal head down to the mine. They shot at it, but even with their very strong rifles, they couldn't hurt it. When the animals got to the slope of the mine, it looked down into it for a lot longer than it normally would, and then it left. Bill and Jack started shooting at it again when it passed by their shack and back into the mountain. No matter what, none of their bullets seemed to do any harm. That didn't matter, though. Just a few moments later, Bill and Jack heard a loud roar coming from the mine. They ran to see what it was. The mine had exploded. Twenty-two men had lost their lives, but that was the last time anyone saw the animal. Oh, man. You know, I don't have a snappy comeback at that one. That one was actually pretty sad. You know what I mean? Like, but you see, mining is a very dangerous job anyway. And for a lot of people, that used to be like the, that used to be like the income for the town. Like, you would grow up, go to school, and then you would be working in the mines. And whether, like, certain instances would have happened, like if the mine would cave and all, like, that was just part of the job. If anything, that was like Tuesday. So, you know, coal mining and all that jazz. And some people want to keep that open. But like I said, it's because it's the uh, economy of the town. And with that scenario happening and with that weird wolf and all that jazz, oh boy, (laughs) you you can just feel the chill. So, you know, RIP to those miners that died. But that is the last time they saw the animal. So it must have been a very ominous sign for them to get up out of there. Just saying. But, you know, you're never going to stop to death on that sort of scenario. Anyway, I got another story for you guys. It's called Eating for Two. Here we go. My husband placed a steak in front of me. You're eating for two now. Eat up. Thank you. I I grabbed the knife and cut into the steak. A deep blood red color that made my mouth water. This looks perfect. 
The first few months were the hardest. I projected vomiting more times than I could count. We had to have the rugs professionally steamed, the couch washed, and no matter what I ate, no matter how hard I tried, it seemed like the nausea boiled up out of me at the most inappropriate times. And honestly, I haven't been feeling like myself. Sometimes I try to speak, but only an unintelligible syllables come out of my mouth. Stefan said that's perfectly normal and nothing to be worried about. That's getting confused and mixed up is part of it. I'm not sure I believe him. Sometimes I say things and I don't even remember thinking them before they come flying out of my mouth. Other times it's just unintelligible nonsense. And then there were a lot of other side effects I didn't expect too. Like fainting. A few weeks in, I was walking up to the steps of church when I suddenly felt a wave of weakness wash over me. My vision grew dim. I'm spotted with patches of black and smack. I fell onto the cold, hard steps. And then everything went black. You fainted, Stefan said. When I finally came to, are you okay? I should have been there to catch you. I'm so sorry. My head throbbed and my knees ached, but I was okay. We were okay. I spent a week taking it easy, watching my favorite soaps on TV, getting served on hand and foot, and then I was good as new. But you know what? I somewhat expected the nausea and the fainting. I mean, I read all the books. They tell you there will be changes, some will be unpleasant, but it'll all be worth it in the end, right? Yet they never warned me about certain changes. All the aches and pains. My neck had been hurting something awful these past few months. My back feels like it's on fire and I'm always aching and hurting in one way or another. And the random allergies and rashes. I always had a host of food allergies. But suddenly I was breaking out in a rash from my favorite necklace. It was crazy. Stefan got me some cream right away but it still made me sad. And the books never warned me about just how bad my anxiety would get. How all those little voices in my head would amp up. Some days I just lay in bed trying to silence them and focus on the positives. But it's hard. Really hard. Stefan's been so supportive, though. I know he was just trying to get me get me help. He's been rubbing my back and rubbing my feet and getting me all kinds of good. I couldn't ask for a better husband. He knows that it's hard work. He's been throwing away my cross necklace and listening to the growing voice in my head have been so hard. He knows it's hard being possessed by a demon. But in the end, it'll all be worth it. <laughs> Wild, huh? Shoot. I mean, after all, she is eating for two. So, you know, you have to consider all that wild stuff going on right there. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you got to think about it sometimes. It's like, uh, I don't know where you go from there, you know? It's like. She is possessed by a demon, and she is going through volatile uh, transactions and all. I wonder if it's a Rosemary's Baby scenario, or if it's like that crazy stuff from Julie Christie's The Demon Seed. Pray for her. Which, by the way, that movie should have made an appearance on the Monster Fest by now. It should have, but you know, The Thing recently did, so maybe that'll probably be a hallmark for next year's fest. Because that was the one with that supercomputer that wanted to be born didn't want to be made was aware of everything was really really hyper intelligent but it wanted to be born through a woman it was wild it was trippy and if you ever get a chance to see it sometime i highly recommend it you don't even have to wait till next year's fest for that i highly recommend you guys watching that one tell you tell you the truth right now Hmm, what else is in the itinerary tonight? Oh boy. Should we or shouldn't we on this one? 
I'm just I'm just I'm just thinking now. I'm just thinking. Should we or shouldn't we? Yeah, why not? You guys are grown. You're good for it. All right, this one's called The Prank. Trick or treat, you knows. It still goes on. You know, like I said, the pranks are forever, man. Real talk. Anyway, here we go. During the first few, first few weeks of college, the frat the frat guys would play pranks on the new students who wanted to become members. You know, their pledges. This has been going on for years. They needed to put their new members to the test to make sure they were serious about wanting to join. You know, cult tactics. Of course, this wasn't the only reason for pranks. The older members of the frat who had a lot of fun laughing at their own tricks and stuff would love to scare the younger students. This is why they were so unhappy with one student who wanted to become a member of the frat. His name was Jeremy, and nothing they seemed to do to him would bother him very much. Tricks that would terrify others didn't seem to scare Jeremy at all. So one day, a few members of the frat decided that they would play their scariest prank yet on Jeremy. They decided to show up at his dorm saying they wanted to take him out to the country for a ride. They said that there was something that he needed to do out there if he wanted to join the frat. Jeremy agreed, but he already seemed a little more frightened than he usually would be, since he didn't say much for the entire ride. After about a half hour of driving, they reached an old abandoned house, and it was very dark out now. We're going down to the basement, the driver of the car said. We have to show you something down there, Jeremy. They all went down to the basement, two of them holding Jeremy by the arms to make sure he wouldn't run away. The driver carried a bag with him. Jeremy wasn't so sure what could possibly be in it, and when they got down to the basement, they needed flashlights to see, and it looked like all that was down there was a small bed. Get on the bed, Jeremy, the driver said. You have to do this if you want to be part of the frat. You know, isn't it something how they get you to do all this crazy stuff so you could be part of an elite club? It's so weird. At first, Jeremy didn't move, but he figured that this was just a prank and he'd be fine. But when he got on the bed, the boy suddenly held him down. They tied his arms and legs to the bed so tight that he could barely move. Then they put a gag in his mouth and a blindfold over his eyes. Don't worry, Jeremy, the driver said. All we're going to do is cut your arm a little so we can get a few drops of blood. We need to know if you have what it takes to be a member of our frat. Once again, that seems like a bit much for people to be in the, be in the boys club. But then again, I don't know. I always wonder about those um, free, you know, Freemason, you know what I'm saying? What exactly is so secretive? But keep going. Uh, Jeremy tried to struggle, but he was tied up so tight that he couldn't do anything. In the meantime, the driver took out a knife. He never actually planned on cutting Jeremy. But instead of using the sharp side of the blade, he ran the flat, dull side of it along his arms. While one of the other boys poured a little bit of cold water over the spot where the driver had run the knife along Jeremy's arm to make him think that he was actually cut. They knew Jeremy was so scared that he wouldn't realize the water wasn't actually his blood. They all tried very hard not to laugh while they played their trick. They also had set up a pan beneath Jeremy's arm so that he could hear the water dripping down. They tied the water bottle to a rope, hanging it perfectly from the ceiling, tilting it just so perfectly that it would slowly drip onto the pan. That way Jeremy would hear the dripping and think that he was still bleeding. We're going out for a little bit, the driver said. We should be back in a few hours. Don't bleed too much, Jeremy. We hope none of the rats down here get you while we're out. The older members of the frat went driving around for a while, joking about how badly they had finally scared Jeremy. They couldn't wait to see the look on his face when they got back. But when they finally did get back to the basement, that all changed. Jeremy was so still that it looked like he had fallen asleep. When they took the blindfold and mouth gag off, they could see that his face was frozen in a look of complete fear. They tried to get Jeremy to snap out of it, but he wouldn't respond. The frat members got kicked out of school after that. The doctor had told them, 
Jeremy died of fright. Well, well, um, you know, when it comes to club games, right? Like, uh, nah, that was a bit much. You know, actually, they did stop hazing like that at uh, University of Delaware one time because kids kept getting hurt. Like, they used to have, like, people uh, strapped up to, like, strapped up to light poles and stuff and they would like pour water on them to see like how how much of the water they could actually stand and stuff and and shave the person's head or like put initials in them using um using like certain like certain bobby pins or whatever not bobby pins but like um office pins and all that jazz like they would go ahead and try to you know take a safety pin and try to mark like the initials of the frat in them and stuff it's People used to go really, really crazy when it came to, like, initiations and stuff like that. That's just like, damn. I mean, you know, originally people wanted to join up because they wanted to be part of a brotherhood or they wanted to be part of, like, you, you know, a, a social group. But, like, nowadays people, when they... Nowadays you can't do this anymore because it's considered harassment. But, like, when I was going to... Let's see, when I was going to DSU at the time... Like, you know, you can see them out there doing their little parties and all their little associations and stuff like that. But I think nowadays it's not as rigorous as it would be like, it's not as rigorous nowadays because certain people can't handle that. And truth be told, like, you wouldn't want to go through this kind of situation in the first place. So it's true to form. And I'm sure, like, there's a lot more nightmare stories on, like, in terms of college and all that jazz. But when it comes to pranks like that, don't do that kind of crap. You know? <laughs> All right. Anyway, next we have, and this will be your final one tonight. This one is called Chop. So here we go. Sometimes brothers are like each other in many ways, but that wasn't the case with the Harrison brothers. One of them was a nice young man who was kind to everyone. The other one was a brute. When Mr. Harrison died, he left his boys to farm. The nicer Harrison brother wanted to sell his half. This made his brother so angry, he killed him with an axe. The farm had been in the family for years, and he wouldn't believe his brother would want to sell any of it. He decided to hide the body under the floor in one of the farm rooms, and later that year he also married the girl his brother had been planning on marrying. That's when strange things began to happen at the farm. Anytime the mean Harrison brother was near his wife, they both would hear a chopping sound. It would only go away when he was no longer close to her. This scared the young woman terribly. She only lived in the farm one week when she told her husband she couldn't stand being so frightened anymore and needed to leave. She asked him to come with her, but he wouldn't leave his farm. He tried to kill her instead. But she was luckily... Let's see. She was luckier than the murder Harrison brother. She managed to run away and get to a neighbor's farm. When she told a neighbor about what happened, they went to the Harrison farm to stop her husband from escaping before the police arrived. However, when they got there... They found the evil Harrison brother already dead. He'd hang himself. But before doing so, it looked like he pried up the before doing so, it looked like he pried up the floorboards. And inside the floorboards was the body of the nicer Harrison boy, and next to him was an axe. So what does that tell you? <laughs> oh man. Kinda chilly, right? Phew, you might want to go ahead and put a log on the fire and stay warm and all that jazz. Because, like I said before, these are folklore tales, ladies and gentlemen. It's not like it actually happened to you. And, you know, you should be um, very, very happy that, you know, you treat people with respect. After all, like, we are well-doing people, right? We don't have skeletons in the closet that could actually come back to haunt us, right? 
Yeah, I don't think you should. <laughs> Not at that case, anyway. But hey, like I said, I love reading these nightmare tales to you guys. And I know there's a lot more that I have to go ahead and throw your way sometime. And you see, as we are on the final week of the Monster Fest, it started with a jams. It's going to end with another J-Man episode. So yeah, you got a full week of content here. And speaking of jams, Jams 35 happens tomorrow. And we got a pretty interesting playlist again. And yes, it is a Monster Fest base one. So we're just going to go ahead and party out this final week. It's been like lit and it's been a long time coming. And then of course you know it'll be the Kaiju weekend. So you'll be seeing a lot of clips from different Godzilla films that I have around here. And not to mention some riffs here and there too. Uh, so, also, what else do I have for you? I have ratings to throw your ways. I know that. So I'll be on that stuff tomorrow. And until then, though, I want you guys to take it easy for me. And I want to thank you all for being supportive. Oh, speaking of which about the J-Man show, uh, yeah. Yeah, it's coming down, guys. I think, uh, I think it is going to be a wrap soon. You know, on, um, let's see. It's November now. So on the 16th of November, uh, stay tuned for something, okay? Just want to let you guys know that. Other than that, though, you guys take it easy. I will catch you all later. Peace. Hey, hold on. I don't think you guys think that uh, the show's canceled, right? No, 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 no. See, the 16th, guess what? That's when the sixth season of the J-Man show starts. Just wanted to let you all know that. <laughs> Anyways, latest.